0: I was given this topic about activism. And it's such an important topic. It needs to be looked at from so many different angles. And I'll start with the people that we have here. Hafiz Khosar, mashallah, was probably doing what he normally does, running around uh, helping make stuff happen. I met him the first time very shortly after I came back from Madrasa to the United States of America. He was in the MSA at UC Davis. I myself was in MSA before I went to Madrasa. Any msa here? Mashallah, mashallah. And so one of the things I found in his MSA, and then I saw that thing repeated in a number of MSAs after having come back. Was that generally the brothers had a bent toward wanting to make vicar and have some halapat and learn things, and the sisters wanted to protest stuff. I don't know if this is still like that dynamic in in people's uh, places that they go to college. Of course, myself when I was in MSA, we used to do both of them uh, with a relative amount of excitement and enthusiasm, uh, and. I thought about talking about this subject through that frame. What's the relationship between the two of them? Look at the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for six months before receiving the first wahi, what did he do He would go to the ghar of Hira. He would worship Allah Ta'ala in a way known between him and the Lord. And he prepared himself for the receiving of the wahi. And the first wahi was iqra' as many people know. It was through this journey of self-purification uh, and preparation that the Rasul Alaihi was able to receive iqra' And even then he received iqra' first. And then he received ya ayyuhal muddathir faanzir later. But this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to fulfill or complete one process first, and then you start the other. This is a very subtle point. It doesn't mean that you fulfill one process first, and then you start the other. But there is a logical order in things. What do we mean by logical order? There are certain things that have rational order, they have rational priority. And certain things have chronological order and chronological priority. Rational priority means what? That when you're counting, you have to get to one before you get to two, right? So if you have, for example, like a pile of five things, you have to count one, two, three, four, five. You count two before you count three. You count three before you count four. You count four before you count five. But all of them exist at the same time, don't they? There's a rational priority to a person straightening out certain important and vital elements of their self you have to make sure that the mind is straight the islah of the mind happens through what through the study of you have to make sure that the heart is straight uh, the islah of the heart happens through what through the straight meaning to some sort of minimum functional level you'll keep going through those that journey for the rest of your life but it should at least be functional that your practice has to be straight you have to pray five times a day and fulfill one of the whatever the things allah made fard on you which usually are the the, fardain, the five daily prayers and the fasting in the month of ramadan if you have enough money you have to pay zakat to know how to do that and to do that properly etc etc but this is not a uh, this is not like the end of the journey it's the beginning of the journey and that journey will continue The journey of worshipping Allah Ta'ala, of purifying yourself, of purifying the heart, of making sure that you do things with ikhlas for the sake of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, etc. That journey will always continue, it doesn't stop there.
1: Once you have those
0: few very basic personal necessities down, then it's also part of your journey that you should be an activist. But what does that mean? There are various facets of activism that are discussed in the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala at the end of the day, what did He say? that you're the best of Umam that was sent out to the to the mankind, that you uh, uh, command that which is right and you forbid that which is evil and you believe in Allah Ta'ala. That let there be from amongst you a band of people who command that which is right and forbid that which is evil, uh, and call to Call to what's good and command to which is what is right and forbid that which is evil. The idea is that you we're not like you know we don't we don't have this idea like for example orthodox Jews have which is that we focus on ourselves and we're kind of inward looking and other people what they do is their problem. That's not that's not the sunnah of the Prophet, it never was. And this is a trick of shaitan as well, to get a, a person to just focus, look in Toward themselves with this idea that what? Straighten yourself up first, then you can go and straighten other people out. And the fact of the matter is imagine if you're, uh, you know, like Amr bin Ma'aruf, to command that which is right and forbid that which is evil, it's an obligation on everybody. So if a man is a drunkard, does that mean that he's obviated from telling other people that drinking is haram? Absolutely not. Will it look like a mockery? Absolutely it will. And drinking is one of those things, people can see it, you know, if you're a drunkard, they see that on you. But there are all sorts of other parts of the sharia that we are obliged to follow and obliged to command to. And our non-compliance with those things are easily hidden from people. The commandment towards sincerity, the commandment to love Allah and His Rasul more than anyone else. The commandment to love what's good and to hate what's evil. These things a person can mask them inside of their heart. A person can have a turban and a jubba and a beard and niqab and hijab and jilbab and everything, all of that stuff. And they can mask it inside their, their heart. But still, until you do it yourself, it's not going to have any, you know, the, the, the curse of it, the la'na is what. it's not going to have any effect on anybody else. This is something, mashallah, by Zuhair and I, we went to a number of different places in our lives, trying to do something or another for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa taala in our activism. So one of the places we went, we went to a chicken plant in Western Washington, and I remember the you know we had a good talk with the with the guy who was the head of sales, and he you know very self confidently said you have to have three three things believe in three there are three things you have to believe in in order to sell a product. So you have to believe in your product that it's a good product. You have to believe in your your uh, uh, price that is a good price and you have to believe in yourself also that I can sell this." And I said, I said, aren't you forgetting the most important belief? He's like, which one is that? And I just kind of made a shout out toward this guy. And he's like, yeah, that one too. You need to believe in that too. Right? So if you don't, if you're yourself not willing to buy the product, then do you think anyone's gonna buy it from you? If you think like, you know, not transacting in riba or if you think that, uh, you know, Praying and making vikr and tahajjud is not worth it. I'm bored. It's boring. It's tedious. It doesn't really change anything. I did it a hundred times. Nothing happened. Making dua. Do you think when you tell another person to do those things, you think it's going to have any effect? Absolutely not. However, you're still the, the strange thing is the commandment to invite people to good and to command to that, that which is right and forbid that which is evil, which is evil, is still not obviated from you. You're still required to do those things. And one of the insights that I learned from my studies uh, in madrasa and from looking over the lives of the Mashaikh and the awliya is that sometimes shaitan fools you. Why? By saying, first, perfect yourself in the first place. Then you can go and tell other people. Why? Because sometimes going to tell other people is one of the best ways of working on yourself. Look at the Sahaba, r.a. Did the Prophet sallallahu you know? Because many of us, we want a Shaykh that's like, not a Shaykh sum of the Somov, but like a birthday cake Shaykh. You know birthday cake? Make a wish. <laughs> right? I have like knucklehead relatives. They're like, oh, your tariqah is too hard. Ours is good. The Shaykh just, you know, he makes and you improve. I'm like, mashallah, have fun, man. <laughs> you want birthday cake, birthday cake. Uh, tasawwuf birthday cake suluk. So, okay, get out of that for a second. In the non-birthday cake methodology of Suluk. One of the best ways, one of the best ways of yourself increasing in, in, in maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yourself learning all those lessons of tasawwuf how to humble yourself, how to love for the sake of Allah, how to hate for the sake of Allah, how to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, etc. is what, by going through this this process of trying to benefit your fellow man, trying to benefit the the creation. And there's so many ways that you can do them that falls within the ambit of activism. Some of them, mashallah, a lot of us, you know, we want to protest and, you know, hell no we won't go and rah 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 and this that and the other thing there's some room for that as well this ummah is a ummah of people who speak the truth and speaking the truth is not always easy speaking the truth is something that will make enemies out of your own relatives for you look what it did for the prophet but we're people that we don't you know we don't pull punches there's a difference between hikmah and taqiyah hikmah is knowing what the right way of saying the truth is and how to say it in the best way possible. It doesn't mean hiding it, right? Hikmah doesn't mean that like, you know, 20 years go by and you don't tell somebody what's going on. Hikmah means, okay, fine, if today's not a good day, maybe tomorrow, or if using this wordage is not good, then use the other one, right? Rasulullah said that the best of jihad is to say word of truth in the face of a tyrant. I read. A story about Hazrat Madani, Muhammad, saint Ahmed Madani, r.a. That once when, he was, uh, uh, once when he was called to court, to the British court, for having given the fatwa that it's haram for a Muslim to join the British colonial army, the judge said to him, is it true that you gave this fatwa? He says, of course it's true. He says, look, look where you are, who you're in front of. What are you saying? And so he, he took his jahler out, he took out his, 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 uh, uh, um, his shawl, his white shawl, and he held it in the air. He says, look who you're talking to. This is Hussain Ahmed. I came from Deoban with my coffin in my hand, with my burial shroud in my hand. That's what speaking the truth is, right? That's one of the nice lines from when we read the Nama, right? That we're the umma of people. We speak the truth, even if it takes us to the gallows. Look, look how sad and how unfortunate it is that this tradition of ours has been wasted. Go to Muslim countries and see how people have become accustomed to lying. Look at ourselves also: how we become afraid of the truth, and that people of Ba'til have become so enamored, they've fallen so in love with Ba'til, and how afraid we are of the truth. The truth is something so powerful. Forget about when people say, look, these guys are telling tall tales and like fairy tale stories about their Mashaif and the Oliya and things like that. It's like listening to something about King Arthur and Camelot. You know, Forget about all of that for a second. Why is it that they freed the slaves in America? Did, it, the, did the slaves ever have a rebellion and force them by, by means of arms? How did the Civil Rights Amendment pass in this country? Was it because at some point or another there's an armed insurrection and somebody demanded their rights by force? No. What it was, the Haqq doesn't let people sleep at night. Things came out in the, in the news, and white people, who themselves had no material interest in civil rights, they would see these things are happening, the people themselves would see these things are happening, and it was put in their face in such an inconvenient way that they couldn't ignore it, and they couldn't sleep at night, it just it had to change. If it happens today, it happens today. If it happens tomorrow, it happens tomorrow. Al Haqqah is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who's the one who can overwhelm it? There are so many things a person can do that fall under the guise of activism. What's the like, original cool of activism in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? salam, السَّلَامُ taam Right? First your ash you can set up your da'wah table and things like that in your MSA, that's fine, or you know, in the park or whatever. What's the second thing? taam Feed people. This was a great tradition of our mashay. The tariqah chishtiyah, mashallah, our mashaykh, they opened public kitchens all over the entire subcontinent through the breadth and the width of it. Wherever, wherever they went, even South Africa and places like that, where they went to slaves and prisoners they used to feed the poor. One of the fun things is that nowadays, what is activism? you're screaming, you're putting a new filter on Facebook, or on, uh, on uh, Twitter, or on Instagram, or on Snapchat, or on TikTok, or Allah and what other you know, thing is going to come after that, where your mother and your grandmother, who don't know what tariqa they're in, and who can't point to a, a murshid, or uh, some sort of like fancy, you know, high quality copy of a, Seedy looking edition of some weird book, and who don't have designer shawls and uh, designer this and that, you know, uh, clothing gear from here and there and the other place. But what's the Islam that they know? The Islam that they know is cooking a dag of biryani and sending it to the masjid to feed people. And mashallah, we, we've eaten those meals as well. The same dal that you eat in the khanta, the same dal that you eat in Jamaat, the same dal that you eat, you know, it, d- it tastes different than the dal that you have in your home, in madrasa, it tastes better, I try to eat it at a home, it, does, it just doesn't taste the same, I just don't want to finish it, but the same thing, somehow or another, you eat it in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's some barakah in it, but we, st- we stop doing those things, mashallah, this is the Bay Area, you guys are IT people. If you don't, know, you're not yourself an IT person. You know, IT. even if you're an Uber driver, mashallah, you're sophisticated. Uber is like it's not a small thing to drive Uber. The uh, technological sophistication with it, even for the driver, it's something that's really like mind-boggling. It's so efficient. Why can't we have an app that you know has these remote kitchens? That mashallah, it's like the big new field. People like all the people in the investment space are talking about it. It's a buzz, like you know that that, that you have uh, that, that you have these kitchens that are, are there basically for catering uh, those, those like Uber Eats and Grubhub type orders. Why can't we do that for feeding the poor? That I have, you know, my uncle is going in for surgery this week, and so I'm going to feed the poor. And so you just tax some, you know, amount of money, and a kitchen will make sure that those people get fed. After all, in traditional, uh, you know, traditional societies, those things used to happen. We can still do that in a lot of Muslim countries to this day. Why is it, though, that we're, you know, like we're not thinking about those things, those things that are you know, low-hanging fruit? If you want to talk about activism, the superlative the superlative activism, which is described in the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Sunnah of the Prophet it's something that we can't really even think about we can't we can't even like bear to sustain the thought of it for for, for more than just a couple of seconds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded this struggle in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like it's his right that we should struggle the fadaal of shahada that a person should give their life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are Manifold in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to the point where Allah ta'ala forbids the believers from saying that the person who gives his life for the sake of Allah ta'ala is dead that those people are alive but you don't, you don't, you're not aware of it that those people are alive and they're receiving their sustenance with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the Lord that it's an act of piety for a person to make dua to Allah ta'ala that, that they be a shaheed in the path of Allah ta'ala I remember the Ramadan Majlis' words. Khidr uh, is probably running around as well. Mashallah, do it. He told me that he's listening to, to to them now. It's a little bit late, but better late than never. That there was an incident of Sultanul uh, Ulama uh, Izz bin Abdul Salam, that one of the Mamalik was going to kill him. They came to his house to kill him. And uh, 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 he came out of the house and confronted him, and uh, you know, the Mamluk is like an official of the state, and he's armed, he's like a warrior, and this is just a scholar. What is he going to do? There's no recourse, you know, uh, if, if the government kills you. you, know, you There's not really anything that's going to happen afterward. So he went out and chastised the man, and the man cried back and asked for forgiveness and went home. And the son of the al-Abdis uh, Salam said to his father, like, how, like what, how did you do that? Why did you do that? He was here, coming here to kill you. And he said, I know what you're thinking. But at last, you know, I just thought that for whatever reason, like, I'm not worthy that this day Allah should give me shahadat Obviously, it's His is it's His humility. But people used to consider it to be a great honor. I'm not talking about actually being a Shahid yet. I'm just talking about the idea that a person should desire this thing, that they should think of it as something good. Whereas nowadays, we think about that is a stupidity. Look, someone, they just went and wasted their life. You don't waste your life for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Nobody wastes their life. There's obviously better ways of doing things, you know, uh, than what some people do. But if a person gives their life for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's nothing in the world that's better than that. We used to be a people that understood that that was a common value amongst us. And because of that, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala gave so much barakah in this world, and then you'll see how much barakah comes in the hereafter. That's where the real barakah will come from. From you know having such a having such a noble and lofty goal inside of a person's heart. That's the activism of what of Islam, and it's for the sake of Allah Taala. The issue with what we call activism nowadays is that it's mostly based around identity. I have an identity, and I'm going to intersect with other people who have other identities, and we're going to go and protest for our identity, and. It's bad enough when people do it for nationalistic purposes. Nationalism is an idol, remember. It's anyone who flies a flag and thinks, you know, okay, it's fine. It's OK to be proud of where you're from. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a good thing. Everyone should be proud of what family they're from, what land they're from. They should love the land that they came from. They should love the land that they live in as well. It's OK. Nothing wrong with that. But when a person, when a person drives some sort of magical connection from it, thinking that a line drawn on a map by some Kafir who died a long time ago. Or a Muslim for that matter. But mostly nowadays political borders is mostly somebody who you know, we Allah knows best where people go, but if you were to be a betting man you wouldn't really you wouldn't you wouldn't think he's going anywhere good. That that's something that's something to, that's something to uh, uh, agitate over. No, activism is what, for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah Hussein Ahmed Madani Taala. After uh, India received its independence from the from the uh, British usurper and colonizer, there was actually a and I've mentioned this in Bayan so many times. It's important we should remember these things that there was actually a ceremony that the Indian government had, and they presented him with an award and they presented him all the people who were like the main. Freedom fighters, they you know, presented them with a cash prize and with a lifetime railway pass and an allotment of a house and things like that in, in honor of their services for the for the nation. And he came with his with his companions, with his associates uh, to that ceremony, and he received like the whatever honorary token of the award, the certificate, or whatever, and he returned everything else. And he said bluntly in front of everybody. Hindus, and Buddhists, and Christians, and you know, people of different faiths. He was a man who engaged with the public. You know, he was a member of parliament. He was not a person who sat locked in this corner and just, I'm going to do my zikr, and I don't care about anybody else. In front of everybody, what did he say? He said, we received the reward, and we, also have, we, we feel joy and pride this day that we freed our homeland from uh, the usurper, who treated us like garbage, and you know, Despoiled our, our, you know, our land and our people, treated them like second-class citizens, and defiled the, uh, the ways of our forefathers. Said, but as for the railway pass and the money, the house allotment, said we didn't do this for anything in this world. We did this for the sake of Allah Taala, and we expect we have good hope. We're going to ask for our reward the day we meet Him. That's where we're going to take it. We're not going to take it over here. How different is that than going to protest and say, well, you know, like Muslims, were going to align with the alphabet soup of all these different pronouns. As long as is who knows more about that, he can tell you about, you know, all the different, like whatever, 57 different pronouns floating around that we're going to ally with them and we're going to ally with, the, you know, secularists and we're going to ally with this nationalist and that nationalist. And don't pray while you're at the protest because it's going to break up the alliance and, you know, it's going to offend such and such people and don't, you know, use too much Arabic when you speak and, you know, don't dress a certain way because you're going to scare people with your beard and with your hair and with your turban and your hijab and this and that, right? Whose sake is it for? Is it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have a grievance and that the solution to my problems is that if only like, you know, because the last census, you know, 15.7% of people have like the exact same shade of pigment that I have. So until there's 15.7% of the Congress has the same pigment of color of purple that I am, I'm going to agitate and yell and scream. And then tell all the panels that we have speaking have the same percentage I'm going to this is What is it? It's all nonsense. Tell me something. Is a person, is a person judged by the color of their skin or by the content of their character? So then why is, you know, balancing, balancing percentages, gender, etc. Why is balancing percentages of, uh, somehow then relevant? Muslims always, always their most successful states and their most ex- successful movements were always run through meritocracy. People of merit, people of competence, rose to the top. Unfortunately, this is something you know. I don't want to speak on anybody else's behalf, but I've seen it myself. That when a, an organization ossifies, it becomes, it becomes, it petrifies. It just becomes rock. It doesn't. It's no longer functional anymore. What do we trade? We trade seniority or we trade demographics that so-and-so is the son of so-and-so or whatever in exchange for what? For for meritocracy, for merit. Why? Because you need merit in order to recognize it. Once you stop recognizing it, then you start to look for it in places that you won't find it. You're barking up the wrong tree, like the the famous hikaya, the Latifa, I should say, of Mullah Nasruddin, that he's searching under the streetlight for something that he lost. And people say, Allahjee, well, what's going on? I so said, I lost my wallet, you know, and said, so, so let's help you. And so they were all looking under the streetlight. And after like 45 minutes, they're like, where did you see it last?" So I saw it over there. I said, so, well, why are you looking over here? Well, there's no light there. I can't see anything. So this is what we do. But it's what we do, isn't it? We can't follow this, uh, this model of activism. It's a waste of time. It's a dead end. You're barking up the wrong tree. It's not going to give you anything useful. At the end of the day, the alphabet soup of pronouns is not going to help you. What you do, you do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you do according to what? According to the wahy and the ayn the that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to His Prophet sallallahu And that's one of the reasons it's so important to you know, sit and learn from the mashaykh, learn from the ulama. What is the sunnah? Because I see especially in the last couple of weeks, a lot of people, you know, well the Prophet, ﷺ, if he was here, he wouldn't have done this, and if he was there, he wouldn't have done that. But you know, the thing is you can't it's, it's not like that. It's not like you're like Plato's Siddhartha that you can model the sunnah to whatever you think it is. Until you learn what it is, until you sit and read the books of the hadith, then you don't know what the Prophet would have done. And one very particular uh, work, if a person wants to know, and I want to Wrap the talk up, inshallah. I'm not going to take the entire time. It's late. One particular book that the mashaykh left for us, mashallah, in, this, in these end times, if you want to know what is the way that an activist should be brought up and readied for activism, and then how they should then be active in society. There's a wonderful book compiled by Maulana Yusuf Ta'ala. It's called Hayat sahaba It's a book completely uh, comprising of. Ayat of the Quran and Hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Muhammad Allah subhanahu wa taala protect him and give him long life. He said, that "This is an astonishing book that Allah ta'ala saved it to be written in the end times, and it wasn't written by someone that's worthy. That it should have been compiled by someone like Hafiz Bin Hajar." The books are there; you can read it in Tafli. it's like it's not a perfect process. This is another thing, mashallah people for some reason have in their mind, and we, you know irreligious people use it to bat religious people down and religious people also use it as a cop-out in order to not do work which is what until I'm perfect then I can't say anything to anyone I can't do anything do you think the companions anh, never made mistakes in, in, in what they did for the sake of Allah Taala? You think Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid never made a mistake? Go read the books. Go read the books of. You think Sayyidina Amr never made a mistake? You think that. Uh, you think that the uh, you know the armies never made mistakes. You think the people never made mistakes. Go read the books. Go read the books of Hadith. You'll see that that there were people they made mistakes and their the thing. The reason we say Allah, about about them is that they were the first ones to repent. And they're the ones who used to cry and weep over their mistakes and they used to rectify, they used to make it right again for people. They also weren't people who would say like, oh, well, you know, my intention was good, so like, you know, Allah will forgive me. No, they used to make it right with people. They used to give people restitution. Sayyidina Abu Dharr al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, there's an incident, I won't narrate it in its complete uh, uh, detail, but it's a well-known incident that he once had a spat with Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu they had a verbal exchange in which he said something to, to him that hurt his feelings, that was a, that was an inappropriate thing to say. Sayyidina Bilal, complained to the Messenger of Allah the Messenger of Allah went and made Islah of Abu Dharul al he accepted it and he went and he asked for forgiveness in the most humble of ways. And they forgave each other. That's That's how that's how this thing is going to happen. It's not going to happen until you wait until you're, you know, Guruji, you're making your zikr and then somehow you start floating in the air and until light comes out of your fingertips and you can see the future and know what the stock price of, you know, Amazon is going to be, you know, in, on December 22nd, and then until then you're not allowed to say anything to anyone or do anything. That's not how it works. Remember, what was the thing that we start, mentioned at the beginning? There's a basic modicum of knowledge and understanding a person has to have in order to get, get going in, in their Islam. It's called the farda'in. And there's a basic modicum of practice that a person has, has to have before they get going. And it's called, it's all farda'in. After that, doing the, doing the khidmat, doing the activism, feeding the poor, speaking the truth, standing for the person who doesn't have anyone to stand for them. You know, vouchsafe and the for those people who are, who nobody vouchsafe their, their, their haq, their rights for them, whether they're Muslims or not. All of these things, a person's own personal islah happens with them and through them. And it's like a baby. The baby is not going to say, okay, first the head has to grow, and then when the head becomes full size, adult size, then the right hand will grow because the right hand is barakat, right? And then afterward, I'll grow the left hand. Tell me, you're, mashallah, you're a medical professional. If there were an embryo that developed that way, do you think that embryo, that fetus, would be viable? No, it would die. It wouldn't, it wouldn't survive. It's impossible to be like that. But the issue is, this is that what you know. What is your grounding? What is your model of what you want to do? Are you going to do? Are you going to do that? Are you going to just jump in like a, a, you know, with your eyes closed? I, I wrote a paper on this topic, by the way. I don't know if anyone read it. I wrote a paper about the Black Lives Matter movement. Mashallah did anyone else read it? Inshallah, you can go to the go to the website and read it, right? Black Lives Matter, who would object to that in their right mind? If you don't believe that Black Lives Matter, I think, you know, we have some Muftis in the audience. That's like kufr. Right? But does that mean that we jump in with an organization who's you know, goal is to disrupt the heteronormative family unit, no, it's ridiculous. But why, why is it that we have, no, we have no platform through which we can speak and express our ideas except for through joining that, or through joining the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? why it's because as a community whether the individuals here Mashal, you guys are all pious people you guys are all all in the program and whatever right but the community as, as a whole that we belong to and that we're also responsible for their imagination is so dead that they don't see a way of doing things based on their own values they only see value in casting lot in with others as an ad hoc measure yes you know you should make alliances with people Make it very clear what the terms and parameters of those alliances are. And you know, hold to your ends of the bargain. I get that. But at the end of the day, there's no political vision at all whatsoever. There's no vision for tomorrow except for what another person tells us. You know how you can tell this is the case? Look who's the, the most trending, Muslim, quote unquote, Muslim leader or speaker in any given time. It's the person who CNN, the Muslim that CNN interviews, and the Muslim that BBC interviews, and the Muslim that Fox News interviews. They're the person who gets invited to the next conference. Khizr uncle, you guys know Khizr uncle? Khizr Khan, his son died in the Iraq war. He died on Islam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive him and everybody else who died in la ilaha illallah, but they turned him into a war hero. Poor guy, he died so that gas prices are under $4 a gallon. And he's now a leader and a spokesperson for our community. I don't want to antagonize the guy. The guy's like, you know, as a, individually seems like a very decent man, but like, is that the limit of what we have? Or can we not organize with one another for something more visionary, more in line with what we know is the only thing that's gonna save us. The only thing that's gonna save us in this world and the hereafter is La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. It's the only thing that will save anybody. Don't you know that? Don't you see that? Who here thinks Muslims have a bleak future in this country? There are some people, they're not raising their hands because it's not a cool thing to say in Muslim Huda. You don't want to be watching, watching. Right? People hate us. We're like less popular than a number of not well-liked groups, to put it mildly. Nobody, nobody even is having children. Forget about fighting wars and forget about joining political parties and this and that and the other. Muslims just keep having children at the rate that they are. China will be our country. Russia will be our country. The United States will be our country. Europe will be ours. It's just a matter of time. You know what scares me? They say like by 20-whatever, 50 or whatever, Muslims will be a quarter of the world's population. The Or are they just going to be people who are going to the shopping mall and, you know, they, they're, they're just the same, like, you know, the same, like, mindless drones, but, like, they celebrate Eid instead of, you know, like, not instead of, they celebrate Eid along with Christmas and Hanukkah you and God knows whatever, you know, festivals and for the rest of us. But they lot well, of what other weird things there are, right? The thing is, this Allah Subhanahu wa Taala already put the naqshah, the, the map for survival and for success in this ummah. And whether people do it intentionally or not, there are still so many safeguards that are going to cause the Muslims to be successful. What we need to do is, instead of letting it run on autopilot, we need to get together. We need to look and see. Okay, who's the person who says something that makes sense to you? You know, does uh, you know activist brother Fulan or activist brother, uh, sister Fulana, make more sense? Or does Imam zayd make more sense? Or does some Qadiani actor who receives an Emmy award, is he a better person to be uh, the face of the rising influence of Islam in America or Qawana Tamim? Or does some comedian who utters blasphemy in order to get some laughs from a kafir is that person a better face for islam in america or is you know one of our other you know ulama who've been working in the hood or working in the streets or working to feed people at home or abroad who've been there you know uh, to to say the haq, whether it's a political issue or a social issue who is it who is it that we want to cast our lot in with or are we just going to say you know what who am i what am i to do anyway cast my lot in with anyone just الله, whatever happens happens and you just leave the the people Allah gave this ummah mashallah those things that he didn't give anybody else Allah ta'ala gave this ummah those people that he never gave anyone else the Nasara can't show you someone like Abu Bakr صديق, they can't show you someone like Sayyidina Umar عنه, who are their great kings and rulers Constantine himself lived as a Catholic. He lived as a pagan for his entire life. He only converted on his deathbed. Allahu Alam, if that's even historically accurate or not. Who are their kings that they sainted? You know St. Louis? St. Louis, uh, like Missouri and like Louisville, Kentucky, is named after a French king who they sainted. Why, the, why did the Catholic Church saint him? Because he used to make war on the Muslims all the time. He has something like seven or 13 illegitimate children. I said, la la, ilaha illallah, we wouldn't even let that person do the adhan, like on a Tuesday. Like, (laughs) you guys made him into a saint. Allah gave us ummah people in every generation. He didn't give anyone anything like it. It's our choice as well. You know, at some point we can blame, blame, you know, this person in that country and this politician and whatever. Allah won't ask you if you're not, like making those decisions at that level, he's not going to ask you about the things that you had no ability to influence, but he will ask you about the things that you did That who are those mashaykh that, you know, you, you put your hands in with their hands and said, okay, we're going to do, you know, we're, we're, we're going to follow your lead on these things. We're going to follow, we're going to do what you do. Because one of the things that is really weird about Islam in America is that as a theory, for example, fit is not fiqh is not manipulated by the government. Fit is arbitrated by the fuqaha. They have discussions between each other that transcend like international boundaries and time and space and all these other things, right? Fit is completely, uh, an exercise completely independent of the government. And then what happens is from the, from the body of fuqaha, certain people are appointed as judges, and then that kind of theoretical uh, body of law then starts to become applied. We enjoy so much being in America that MashaAllah, every discussion that we have about the deen is so theoretical, to the point of paying Fajr in the Masjid. It's theoretical for most people who praise Fajr in the Masjid. Allah MashaAllah, Allah MashaAllah, you pious people in here, maybe there are some of you who do regularly, and maybe there are some of you who do occasionally. But the most of the community, there are people who were born and raised in this country that are my age and your age that have never heard the of Fajr before. It's true. I was one of them until maybe I was 18 or so. Never heard the of Fajr before. To that point, and then imagine other parts of it. It's all theoretical. Right? There's difference of opinion of the ulama, and it's a rahmah, etc., etc. We get all of that. At some point or another, people should apply these things. They should have some leadership. If you yourself are a scholar, then pick. If you're uh, 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 you know, somebody who is connected with the ulama, then make iltizam, stick with the choice that they give you. Make something real, make something practical do something until we have this ability to, and that's a whole separate, that's one of the reasons we should read the Hayat al it's a whole separate skill set, it's a whole separate skill set you have 20 people, I've seen this before, we have like a group of people in Bellevue, okay three guys there. they said, we, we need a, sorry, like five or seven of them, they said we need a Khalifa, or is Mulan So so we need a Khalifa, and we're gonna have a Muslims need a khalifa. So they got together about, between them, like, like seven guys. They picked someone who was khalifa. By the end of the week, it was down to three. And the three guys, you know, they, they were going hardcore for a couple of weeks, I think like three, four months. The guy, their khalifa, used to wear a turban, you know, and come to the mosque and pray and this and that. So this is their guy. They're going to back this guy. And then, and then, like, after a couple of months, like, they're like, no, you know, like, their ikhilafats, like, set them aside. And their khalifa kind of died and drowned the over there, right? Other than the, the ridiculousness of, uh, the face value of it, it's a real problem, though. If seven people don't have the ability to get together and obey an emir, in something as like short, transitory, like as a trip, we're going we're gonna to go from uh, Union City to Sacramento for seven days. And I wanted to stop at Taco Bell, and the is like, so "No, we're gonna, we're gonna like, stop at the grocery store instead." And I can't live that down. I can't accept it. So this is all. Doesn't he know he's supposed to make mashra and he's supposed to have mercy on people and this and not another thing or whatever? We we laugh about it. Who's who's here ready? Who's here ready? Go ahead. Any of you guys snickering? You pick one of you to be that mirror, and let's see who's the first one who breaks these things they require some sort of practicality they require some sort of practice they require some sort of commitment they require some sort of regularity that's the way that's the way you're going to be able to move forward and progress in your activism as well this is a capacity that was there in the african-american community in this country you saw the movie malcolm x you saw the complete you know, other than the nation of Islam has, obviously they're not Muslims or whatever, but as a, just as a, as a unit, right, how cohesive they were, how, they trusted one another not to cause a riot, they trusted one another to be able to show up at a certain time and show up at a certain place and follow orders, not to be like a herd of cats. You're not going to be able to do that by watching a movie, you do that by practice. So, inshallah, the tashkil, you know, there's no point in having ban without having tashkil at the end, right? The tashkil is what? Those people who haven't formally learned their farla'in, mashallah, this Masulul is there, there's some brothers from Chicago, mashallah, Darul Qasim is there, Darul salam is there, whoever's listening from somewhere else, find a place and learn those things if you haven't learned them yet formally. If you don't have, you know, someone or another with ijazah who gives you this ijazah, not just that you're familiar with it. And along with that, find, find, find some group of people amongst you, of someone you think is Rashid, someone you think is rightly guided, and stick to some sort of plan with them, whether it's feeding the poor, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's some sort of political activism. Not everyone is going to do the same thing. It's OK. But stick to some sort of plan. If you live in a place where you're on your own, make hijra to somewhere where you can do the work with somebody. Because this is one of the secrets that Rasul told us, told us Ummah as well, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with thee, his hand is with the, with the congregation, with the group. And he also told us that shaitan follows the sheep that f- strays from the flock. Think about these things and act them inside of your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Inshallah, I myself will, uh, uh, inshallah, uh, adhere to this advice, I myself, this is the reason I'm here standing in front of you, like, you know, decompressing my spine every three minutes and crutches. Is Why? Because Mawlana started this noble effort. We live in a place that just a couple of years ago, even the younger ones amongst us, it's within your living memory, we couldn't even find Mufaz to lead the falls the tarawih and the masajid and look at that tomorrow, we're having a khatam of Bukhari. Alhamdulillah sticking together with the plan, mashallah, you know, all of these brothers that we've been seeing year in, year out, sleep deprived, running from pillar to post, masjidul Huda and Islahi Telsa and this conference and that conference, starting off from the vicar sessions in Lowry when nobody knew how to wear their topi properly, you know that it should be a sign for everybody, a proof of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, manifested. We don't even have to look in the history books. The a proof of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the miracles of the mashaykh and the miracles of the holy are haq. That this thing happened. Where was this Masjid in those days? Who would have thought it was possible? Was it something that you did yourself? Is it something that some, you can point somebody did this? And Allah ta'ala did all of these things. That it, it works, inshallah. So uh, let's redouble our commitment to these things. Allah subhanahu wa, wa sallallahu ta'ala gives ta'ala wa rasulah Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alih wa sahbihi wa barakatuh <laughs>